and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seat podcast that finished Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. Better known by my political alias, El Slime, I'm Tyler. I'm sitting here on a pseudo-sugar rush. My name is Zach. <laughs> Just an imagined sugar rush? Yes, given, given our conversation off the mic. Because I had one piece of candy. We're watching episode 19 of Reconquista NG today. The Venus Globe Gang. Because, <laughs> don't worry, we got new factions from Venus Globe before we even get there. Awesome. <laughs> this is the episode that allegedly they said things are coming together. I, I think they got things on track. And I'm like, you added another faction, I am now more confused. Um, I am so confused about this faction. Are they a gang? One of them is a head research scientist. Is he in a gang? I don't know. More confused by the voice actor of the leader, I think. Did you recognize him? No, is that the shark? We'll get to him. <laughs> he is uh, voiced by someone who I feel like should voice more gangsters. <laughs> he has a real gang-sounding voice, at least in my opinion. But if this is your first time watching Reconquista NG, good luck. You will need it. I don't know. I feel like this episode is more clear with the exposition, but I also feel like it's been getting more and more clear as time goes on. And just because he said episode 19, I paid attention to it and was kind of like, oh, yeah, I kind of feel it. I feel like this is a one standard unit of Rick and Gisa, but I, I think I agree it has been getting clearer the longer we've been watching. Yeah, I mean, I I believe that. Although, is it because they've been getting more clear or we've been slowly becoming more and more accustomed to their weird way of storytelling. <laughs> yeah, we, we just understand the headspace of Rick and Gisa and G. I think we also just broke from a bunch of the factions, right? We left them behind. And so now, even though we're introducing more, there are fewer factions in this episode than there were last fewer, week. Fewer factions and fewer characters to worry about what their motivations and goals are here. So our characters are the crew of the Megafauna, a pirate ship built by Ameria back on Earth. They just escaped... Toasanga, a colony on the moon, to go to the Venus globe where photon batteries are made. Photon batteries are the only source of electricity in this world. They are going aboard the Crescent ship. The Megafauna is aboard the Crescent ship, a giant ship. And they had cool technology on their Gundam that made it go faster. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> For some reason. Our characters include Bellry. He's the pilot of the G-Self. He is a Yankee boy from the Capital Territory. A member of the Capital Guard. Curbs, his instructor. Ida, the princess, question mark, of Ameria, also secretly Bellary's sister. It's weird. Also secretly a space princess because of that. Yes. Nareda. So she's a princess squared? Double she, princess? She's double princess. What does it mean? Nareda Nug, Bellary's friend. Mariah, who is a moon person who fell from Earth. Ringo Starr, a moon person with a crush on Mariah. Fell to Earth. You said fell from Earth. Oh, fell to <laughs> Earth, yes. Flami, Raya's neighbor, who we will learn stuff about this episode. Actually, right out of the gate, too. Yeah. Um, Danielle, the captain who has Alzheimer's. Again, more evidence this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, technically I, <laughs> speaking, that's just our, like, headcanon for this guy. But it seems like every episode, he, he loses knowledge he clearly had in previous episodes. And Manny... Naredo and Bellary's friend from school, who joined the Capitol Army and was part of a boarding ap action last week and accidentally stowed away. No, Stowaway implies they don't know she's there. She just took cover and they forgot to give her back before they left. And uh, this world has very strange rules regarding prisoners of war. Do they even consider her a prisoner or more a visitor? Like, oh, our <laughs> visitor of school showed up. Also, they got so many different factions on this ship. 
I, I think Tyler just phrased it best. A visitor of war. Manny is a visitor of war. <laughs> Anyone I forgot? There's Lewin and Oscar. They're there. There's the two guys that are in Flammy's faction whose name I don't... Luroka. One of them's Luroka. And the other's the other guy who doesn't... He, do, doctor dude? Mechanic man? Um, he does a Adam lot of Smith, stuff. Or you talking... <laughs> No, the other guy from the Moon Faction. Oh, I don't know his name. Yeah, the, the old man, as opposed to the slightly less old man. The old man with anime eyes versus the old man with 80s anime eyes? Yeah. <laughs> so again, we're going to watch 19, The Venus Globe Gang. You can watch along if you track it down. We start in Reconquista in G, is I believe the phrase, where we just start randomly somewhere. This one is in space on a track. Yep, they're doing laps. Yeah, it, it's run the mile day on the Crescent ship. You know, honestly, when this thing started up, I was like, did I turn over two pages at once? Like, it, did I accidentally skip to the middle of the of the episode? I do love that it shows them running up the length of the ship and then it has to, like, reorient. Because gravity. Everybody is in gym clothes, if you're into that. Except Ida, who is wearing just, like, her pajamas that we saw her in earlier. No, gym I, it's I, like a blouse. <laughs> I, I think these are her gym clothes. We've seen her wearing them before. I like how all the old men and auxiliary crew are in the back. Yep. Poor Adam Smith. Anyway, they cross some line and Flammy's like, all right, everyone who's not a mobile suit pilot hit the showers. Pilots, one more lap. I do love Naredo and Manny literally Just falling dying. down. <laughs> like they've died. Well, I mean, they probably, well, actually, no, they were both cheerleaders. So you'd think that they'd be able to do a little bit more than that. Well, to be fair, they are like crossing the finish line with the pilots, right? They're just exhausted endurance wise. So. They're still on the front. And Flammy's like, you have to run to expel waste and radiation from your body. That's not how that works. Uh, yeah, so it turns out Flammy is secretly a, the... A spy from the Hermes Foundation from the Venus Globe? Yeah, somehow. I don't really understand how. She's just been living on the moon for a while. Well, she's a, she's a long-term deep spy. And we know they have contact, right? They come every year. It would not well, be difficult fair. to plant somebody. I mean, it might be difficult to plant them, but you would have plenty of opportunity, right? If you also had motive. I just don't understand what the motive is. It's also weird that we have had no hint whatsoever that Flammy is anything but genuine. She hasn't been around that long, but it's very G-record to be like, oh yeah, this guy was a spy all along. And if you rewatch it with that information, it makes sense. But also, like, there was no inkling, so it doesn't feel like a reveal. It's just some exposition about, oh yeah, I was a spy the entire time. Well, I mean, There's no drama milked out of it. In theory... You know, if somebody is a good spy, there isn't an inkling that they are yes, a spy. Yes, but that's not how drama works, right? Like, the spy character in Mobile Suit Gundam, we, the audience, know they're a spy the entire time. Now, nobody on the white base has any inkling, except for Kai, who does, but then that's part more part of the drama, right? But, like, we have dramatic irony and know that they are a spy. Whereas in this case, it's like I said, it's just expositive. Oh, by the way, I was a spy. It's probably because she has kind of been a tertiary character ever since she showed up. And then we get to uh, basically what Jeremy is saying as the, you know, other moon guy is like, I can't believe she hid this from me. But the other other moon guy did know. Weird mechanic guy also did a genetic test, finding that I think Ida and Belry don't have any negative genetic traits. Danielle is kicked out of the women's locker room because he wandered in with his Alzheimer's. <laughs> no one seems to care that much, honestly. But, like, Bellary is in the changing room with them all the time, right? And they yeah. just make him go one locker over, and he's a polite Japanese boy, so it's fine. So it seems like there's less care about that in general in this, but also he is in the wrong place. <laughs> so the pilots are chasing the Harobi, and uh, I hadn't really thought about it, but then going through this scene, it's like, man, 
There are an awful lot of pilots aboard the Megafauna. Far more than usual for a Gundam series. There are just more characters and factions. And the Megafauna kind of has a representative from every faction, so... Ringo gets teased by uh, Curbs. Into doing more exposition. But Raya's like, oh man, she wasn't spy. She was just like, there. She was a medical investigator driven by curiosity. Miraji, that's the other guy's name. We're never going to remember I that. Think, I think the other guy that you've said, Jeremy, I think he was, uh, I think he's actually a crew member aboard for this ship. I don't think he was one of the other guys. Maybe. Uh, Raya yells something about the Kintala stuff being ancient history. They pass a squash court and Ida's like, Bellary, I'm going to squash you at squash. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Curbs comes up and is just like, you know, you're holding up pretty well for a pirate. And that's when Ida comes back with, Bell, we're playing squash tomorrow, period. Cut to after running when Bellary, Naredo, and Raraya are going out to do ship maintenance, I guess. Bellary is riding like, look like oxygen cylinders, whereas Raraya and Naredo are pulling them. Manny and a bunch of other people are already out working and Manny guides them. Manny's trying to pull her weight, helping out. I like how... It looks like a sponge, but like Ida was kind of moving it, and then the grimoire picked it up and took Ida with it briefly. <laughs> Momentum. I like how they're playing with gravity a lot in this. They're just kind of like shoving things in the general direction they need to go, and assuming yeah. someone's going to catch it. Well, even then, like we still do have a lot of Gundam gravity going on. So Manny and Ida gossip about our Raya Naredo and Bella Trio now, and <laughs> Ida's just like. Ryan Bellary get along great since her memories returned. I'm not answering that question. It would be rude to speculate on my brother's sex life. <laughs> <laughs> Man is like, I think my boyfriend's starting to try a trio, but I do not like the other girl. But then they see some space lights. And apparently the ship has a beam shield. To stop cosmic rays. And it looks pretty. So they go up to go see it, and they turn around, and Manny kind of stops for a second and gets stunned by it. And then has like a whistle moment about like... Man, Lewin, what the hell are you doing? What's with that Barawa girl? <laughs> I don't even know. Where are you in relation to me? Because holy shit, am I far out? Although I do like, she's like, which one of those stars? I'm like, the, it's Soul, the one that you're closest to? Well, at this point, Earth, I, well, they're probably not so far that Earth would look like a star, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know, maybe. The moon mate probably does, though, if he's still on the moon. I do like the shot of the hangar of them basically... Like, they've got a grimoire's arm detached, the arcane is missing its backpack, like, they've got all the mobile suits opened up. They've got a lot of mechanics for a Gundam series, too. I always like it when you get shots of stuff like this, like, the basic stuff that you normally get kind of, uh, overlooked. Like, um, Bellring mentions that, hey, you you tightened this thing down that was loose, and it makes perfect sense, like, yes, it's nothing critical while we're, you know, having battles every other day. I don't have the time to fix something like that. I'm just trying to keep it running. Also, uh, Hoppe tells Bellary to be grateful to his ancestors for getting him a cool G-self. Which this apparently makes Bellary sad. He thinks of his dead parents he never met. And is like, oh man, parents love me who I never even knew. That's weird. Which is why they gave you a war machine. And Ida is definitely my sister. And then he goes flying off into space and just bounces off of a mobile suit. Anyway, the captain of the Crescent ship, Elkind, is like, hey, I have an announcement for everyone from Earth. Uh, we're going to be firing a beam to hit a meteor. Don't panic. It's just to make sure a meteor doesn't hit us. You can watch it if you want. It's pretty cool. Phew. Yeah, then they just shoot it. I do like how Manny's like, what happens if they miss? And <laughs> they're like, well, we get screwed. Kaboom. 
And Manny's like, oh God, I'm, I thought being on a ship on the ocean was bad. We are in the middle of space. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Poor I want Manny. to go home. And Mariah's like, ah, oh, it'd be actually be faster to get the Venus Globe than to go back at this point. And they see it on the horizon. Well, I mean, being very technical, the fastest way off the ship would be to just jump off the ship. Yeah, that's not her point. The, the fastest way out of space. The trick about space is you can never get out. That just like true. you can never get rid of the skeleton inside your body. <laughs> That is why life is a true terror. There's a skeleton inside you at all times and space outside you at all times. Have you ever seen that comic where some guy's being jumped by like a vampire and a skeleton and he's like, a vampire? Oh no! Skeleton? Ew! And then it cuts to like five days later, the skeleton's just like sitting there and he's like, ew? (laughs) Anyway, we get some exposition about the Venus globe. It was designed in Tewasanga by the Hermes Foundation who came out here to construct it. I assume here is near Venus, and that's why it got it has its name. And then we cut to Roranoro Zoro, <laughs> the leader of the uh, Venus Globe gang. I double checked this is voiced by Kazuya Nakai, the Japanese voice actor for Zoro. And I'm like, Zoro, what are you doing in this series? Was this one of the years you weren't in One Piece? No, Zoro was in One Piece this year. I guess he needed another check. Damn, he really got lost, didn't he? <laughs> Well, they, they got tired of searching the Grand Line, so they had to go to Venus. Uh, anyway, he's got a group of Gundam pilots. <laughs> he's got a Gundam gang. And apparently they have an anti-Minoski thing. And, and t- kind of their own Gundam-looking thing? Yeah, they got a bunch of various mobile suits in the Gundam shape. And Captain Kia, who is Roranora Zoro, is like, time for us to take over the Crescent ship. Cut to the Crescent ship where they're having a PowerPoint presentation on how the G-Self helped them. That still doesn't explain anything. Well, because Bellry plugged in the uh, his code, we got a boost in engine efficiency. Like it was like, but of course, it's a circle. That's how physics. It works on the same principle as the G self's reflectors. And they want to make sure that the thing that Bellry did, plugging in his key, apparently had no effect. I guess. Anyway, they start talking about how, hey, maybe it's a bad idea to just start building random blueprints we get. We built it, but we never thought about how it actually worked. Yeah, all we cared about was using it to find some orphans. And Daniel's like, yeah, kind of the same for the megafauna, actually. We just put it together according to the blueprints. Don't really know how it works. And Hoppa's like, hey, you're right. And Gullier's like, and you brought us into space with that? I'm starting to get Manny's point. I love how <laughs> turn to Ida, and Ida looks really embarrassed about it. And she's like, history says we could make this. It'll be, it'll be fine. Probably be fine. Uh, I mean, it did bring the universal century to ruin, though. But I'm pretty sure as long as we don't let any assholes drop asteroids on the planet, we're probably <laughs> fine. And then Captain Kind is just like, no, it's because people were left behind in space and despaired. That's why it was built. That's why we built the Venus Globe. And I was like, so Venus Globe is a photon battery factory, right? And he's like, mm, it's more like a giant battery. Anyway, we live in the ocean ring, but there's a whole bunch of other rings and stuff, and we're filling it with only batteries. We're going to make it about the size of the moon so we can have lots of power. And then people can stare at it and say, that's no moon. And Bellary's like, hey, on Earth, we're not allowed to, like, invent showers that don't work on batteries. So, like, (laughs) what the fuck, man? You're out here in space building this, and you force that taboo on us? And he's like, yeah, well, humans fucked up the Earth. That's why we made the taboo. Try to deal with human nature. And in exchange, we give you cool batteries. And I was like, hey, but like, you let the Capitol Tower monopolize the distribution. 
So people in other continents, but then Naredo and Bellary cut her off, and the series just treats Naredo and Bellary like they're right. And, and I don't agree. <laughs> I don't understand. Like they don't try try to make a. If they try to be like, "Hey, Naredo and Bellary have a point," I think I could get behind that. But they're like, "You only believe that because you were taught to believe that. It's not natural." But that's also true for Bellary and Naredo and what they were taught. So yeah, and Elkind is like, "Oh, you were taught that way growing up," and, like. She has like an existential crisis about this. I'm like, yeah, every everyone was taught what that's, they. Were. <laughs> that's kind of how teaching works. Yeah, like I think the point is good and kind of fun, but it, the fact that Ida is like treated in the wrong doesn't make any sense at all when it applies equally to all of them. Well, especially it has been a point of contention between her and Belry several times, and you like I have generally agreed with Ida's points when she's allowed to make half of a point before something explodes in the background. When was that? <laughs> I think she got out one point in a previous conversation. Uh, anyway, something's about to explode. Because here comes the Venus Globe gang. I love this person just doing pull-ups in their mobile suit. <laughs> and this other person just doing makeup in her mobile suit. Just in case she has to get out and someone sees her. So random. And really makes the pilots here very weird and quirky. Yeah. Like they want you to remember these people. I've referred to them as uh, druggies without the drugs. They're high on life. <laughs> Just the geese. Geese! No, they're the G's. So we get an eye catch. Hello and welcome to Wingen with Wimpod. It's me, your boy, Guzma. And in that convincing rendition, hello and welcome to episode 19 of Gundam Wrecking Gisa NG. The one where Roro Noro Zoro shows up. Thank you for listening. We're entering the end of the year. We just put up our November bonus episode, which was a review of the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Um, I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. We have very mixed opinions on it, so if you want to know whether or not that was worth watching, <laughs> go listen to that. Also, I'm going to plug our Discord, where we've reached week two of our One Piece manga reread recap. Uh, we're doing one volume a week, which is about eight chapters. Uh, so if you want to do that with us, you can start reading One Piece and we'll be caught up in like two years. Um, other than that, I don't know that I have a whole lot to say. Um, I'm, I'm getting into the Decemberween spirit. Um, I made a whole gallon of eggnog yesterday that I'm letting age in my fridge. Uh, so I've got that look to look forward to in three weeks. And I hope you all have something to look forward to as well, other than the dulcet tones of our voices. All right, um, I think with that, uh, let's get closer to the sea in space. Well, we don't get one coming back. What we do get back is more space teaching. With the vice captain of the ship being like, okay, you guys need to understand the scale of space. I do kind of like this scene for world building. Like, I like that they like put radioactive colors on everybody's hands for communication from a distance, but it kind of doesn't serve much of a purpose. The G-Racket story. <laughs> I think part of this is also just like saying even the area encapsulated by the globe of the Crescent ship is enormous. It's like several kilometers. Well, it's about like, you can't really have anything for scale, so you super easy to get lost. Yep. Yeah, because there's nothing to um, gauge scale with it, because there's nothing in space. Bellary laughs because uh, the girls who are having this conversation uh, have their mics open, and uh, apparently this offends them. And then Bellary's like, "No, you don't close, don't turn your mic off because it could get you killed." It's like you know you can turn them on and off 
to channels. Like, I presume that's how you would have it nope. work. Nope. The second you start floating away into space, if your mic's off, you can't turn it back on. In space, no one can hear you scream. Everyone knows that. So Ida tries to have a more one-on-one conversation with her brother about the way she was brought up, and I kind of like this as a growth thing. Again, I just wish the series didn't treat it like she was in the wrong, objectively. Like, if this was Bellary and Ida both being like, hey, maybe we're wrong, and should come to a middle, instead of it just being like, Gulp, the Capitol Guard was right the entire time. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what they're doing. I do like how they have consistently kept the idea that everybody has their own different brand of, like, spacesuit, because even the to- the uh, Venus Globe guys aboard the Crescent ship have their own different type type of spacesuit from everybody else. So Ida asks where the ocean ring is and why what it is and it's like is it an ocean he's like yeah kind of the fact that we had to build an ocean in space just to live comfortably shows how precious the earth is and why (laughs) we shouldn't blow it up or drop asteroids on it what i've been wondering this entire time is where they're getting the raw materials to build all this stuff from like batteries are expensive where are they getting all the like asteroids the planet venus yeah i guess i could just be mining venus yeah i don't know but Anyway, Bellary's like, I want my sister to meet the people in charge of Venus Globe so we can, you know, figure out this monopoly thing. And stop everybody killing everybody else. And I gotta say, Bellary, nice idea. Not gonna happen. Human nature is very confrontational. And he's like, don't worry, the leader of Venus Globe is Lagoo, and he's a cool guy. Meanwhile, the girl gang has huddling, being like, yay, Bellary has accepted that Ida is his sister. Now we have a chance, but... The captain has to go to the bridge because somebody, the comm officer is like, yeah, some guy caught for, saying he's from the GIT Corps is here to meet us. And they're like, who? Our, our printer's who, offline, apparently. Who sent a message to, <laughs> to Venus Globe help desk? He said we need to share our passwords so he can reset it for us. He said make sure to do the CAPTCHA and that he's going to text us a link and we need to follow it. He, he asked us to turn it off and turn it back on. But once again, people have decided that they have to go out and watch an incoming mobile suit. Like, oh man, that looks kind of like a Gundam. So the Roranora Zoro Gundam lands. And they look very militaristic about it, apparently. And Bellary's like, hey, that's not a peace pose. And uh, Curbs agrees with him. And Captain Kind is like, hey, what's up? Why are you here? And he's like, you will give us the Crescent ship. Pray I do not alter it further. <laughs> and then demands that they put all of the Earth people on the megafauna. Except people in charge need to be on the bridge. So Bellary goes up to be like, hey, what the fuck? Which gets him kicked by Zoro. Naredo goes to try to save him and she gets pushed away via beam rifle. <laughs> Another thing this series just loves for some reason. <laughs> I, and Kind is like, you haven't come out here with uh, Lagoo's permission. And the vice captain's like, he said his name was Kia Mabeki. And so the captain's like, hey, let him in. I want to see his face. And then he points a laser <laughs> pistol. Like yeah, a- he, he points a four kids gun. <laughs> it, look, it looks like a 50s sci-fi ray gun. Yeah. And it's like, I had to bring a gun. There are earthnoids here. Who knows what they could do? Anyway, here's my ID. Director of Technology Preservation at the GIT Labs. I like how he's like... Hey, if the megafauna and Ida's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You'll blow us up, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, well, that was b- blunt. Anyway, the Gundams play volleyball with Naredo and Bellary, and the entire crew of the megafauna has to catch them. And then they all power their veneers at the same time, which is kind of fun. They just like move backwards <laughs> as a unit. It's, it's just one big blob. And they start tacticsing. Like there are six units, but one's like big and mobile armory and probably a pain in the ass. 
and one looks like a Gundam, and it's probably a pain in the ass. We should probably assume they're all pains in the ass. They've got that's a colorful collection of characters driving them. <laughs> so they probably have names, so we should be careful. Don't turn on the lights so that everybody can board their machine so we can jump these fools. <laughs> I continue to love Adam Smith's custom-made helmet for his hair. So Bellary and Curbs come up with the idea that all they have to do is stay inside the hangar, but they said nothing about being on board their machines. But the hangar's open, and they're just taking a look at the G-Self, and when Bellary gets in, somebody's in the G-Self, and Hop has been kicked out. He's like, hey, they're trying to steal it, and they is Flommy, and the uh, some other guy on the ship. He's the guy who ran the genetic tests earlier this episode. And he's like, it's universal standard. Why won't it move for me? And Bellary's like, ah, you activated my trap card. DNA keys. It's not universal. This was an inherit. This belongs to me, my sister, and our pet Rariah. <laughs> <laughs> and Flommy's like, hey, space tools need to be usable by everybody. Monopoly is evil. And Bellary's like, nah, I'm super into Monopoly. Didn't you hear the <laughs> argument earlier? So Flommy gets so angry, she injects him through the heart with something. Um, and apparently that doesn't rupture the integrity of his spacesuit somehow. It does just leave him to float there looking dead. So Curbs catches him. And he almost says Gundam. But not quite. I don't know why he almost says Gundam. He is Gundam. And Nerd is like, oh no, is Bellary dead? And Manny and I are like, we're listening to you. Pull-up guy is the one who has come out to greet them. He's like, yeah, but you're those war-loving earthnoids. I can't trust you. If you step outside, I'll have to reduce you to dust. I'm sure you can imagine how strong my Gorilla Grodd is. I was going to make the same joke. Um, Gorilla Grodd has funnels on tethers. And they, they could, like, move the funnels into the bridge to point at them. And they're like, oh, we would be fucked if that went off in here. And Ringo's like, oh, man, I thought the space proton battery people were peaceful. Naredo again is like, hey, is Bellary dead? But is like, nah, he just needs a nap. So I gave him good nap drugs. I would kill for some good nap drugs, personally. Apparently this random guy's name is Yawn. And he's like, I thought if we took over the ship, we'd uh, do all right. So they take Bellary to the nurse, and they're like, well, I guess he'll be all right after a good night's sleep. Everybody is, like, tied up in sleeping bags inside the nurse's office, and they've got cameras on them. And Danielle, in a rare moment of lucidity, is the one to point this out. That they're all being watched in sur- by surveillance cameras because they're all the dangerous elements. So Kia calls them and is like, hey, we've uh, come out here to deal with you people. Because of Toa Sanga. And Kia is like, hey, uh, this is with, like, the Rosario 10 and President Lagoo gave you this order, right? And then he gets punched. No, he was asking if they had, if he had the uh, authority and backing of those guys. And he's like, no, we got our contract directly from someone. And Makeup Girl's like, hey, Captain, the Rosario 10 are definitely going to get in our way. And Kia's like, can't be helped. Time to do a war. And then we get some long glory shots of the Crescent ship and the megafauna. In space! As we are continuing towards the Venus globe. Which is surprisingly far away. Well, they were just talking about how you can't get any sense of scale for things in space, and how yep. far away things are. It's moon-sized, which means, you know... The thing, it will be moon-sized when it's done. That's no moon. It's battery. <laughs> it's, it's just batteries. That's the end of the episode. What did you guys think? Uh, I'm not sure the statement is necessarily true, because we just added... Kind of two more factions into this one. I was going to say, it's a real turning point for the series. Now there's another faction. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if Flaminia is supposed to be on the same side as the GIT Corps. It didn't seem like it. So it seems like she's on one side, they're on another side. And so now we've got 
two more factions thrown in, and I don't understand what either one of them want. Oh, a third faction also, because Elkind and his crew are, I think, okay, a, represent a, good... a different faction. Yeah, that's a point. And we also have the Rosario 10 and President Lagoo mentioned. You know, they do not show up yet. Who I assume the crew of the Crescent ship is more or less aligned with. On the other hand, G-Reco did it. They did an ec- episode without an action scene. It's all tension building and plot development and build up. I mean, the closest thing they had to it was just something that uh, helped helped do a setup. Yeah, I mean, the clo- the action scene is Bellary getting stabbed with a syringe. <laughs> well, I was thinking it was more of the entire sequence for when the GIT core showed up. Gotcha. There's that, too. Uh, do you have a high point, Tyler? What is my high point? You said it served no purpose, and I do agree. Uh, but I actually really like the scene where like everyone's like learning how big space is. It's just like a fun, fun aside moment. Zach? I think my high point might be that when Bellary gets effectively stabbed by Flaminia because of his, uh, you know, you know, the, no, the G-Self is mine. It's our, it, you know, it's my family's and all this. And he's arguing with her and then she's just like, stabby. <laughs> That's actually her first name. Stabby, stabby Flaminia. Flaminia. I was also thinking of the Flaminia thing. I, I think I'm going to go with Manny, like freaking out about being in space. I kind of like that. It's very humanizing to me. Like, she did not sign up for this. She just kind of ended up here. And she's like, hey, I'm with my friends. That's kind of cool. And, like, I kind of like this more chill vibe where I still have, like, stuff to do. And I got to go out and work in space and stuff. But, like, no one's calling me an idiot for doing it. But on the other hand, Lewin's not here. And, oh, God. (laughs) The smallest thing could happen and we could all die. Yep. And Lewin would never even know. Do you have a low point, Tyler? For me, it's going to be Naked Danielle. uh, (laughs) Mostly because... yeah, I get it. I, I just it's just so sad to see his mind go like that. <laughs> Zach? My low point is probably everybody jumping on Ida when she speaks up and being like, You were just taught that. It's like, so were you. Why is it only a bad thing that she was taught differently than you? Yep, yeah, like nature versus nurture and like questioning the things you were taught are definite themes of this show. But again, it should apply to all of the characters evenly. It feels like they're like, oh, no, we didn't get enough of this in. we got to throw some real <laughs> hammer Ida right on the head. I think I'm going to go with Kia's space ray gun. It doesn't look threatening. I mean, it kind of weirdly ties into some stuff that happens next episode in a fun way. But I don't think it's intentional. It looks like it should be one of those things where you pull the trigger and it makes those like fake laser yeah, gun like, sound exactly, effects. Exactly. And it lights up. Actually, I think it's a prop in that... Uh... That security breach game. I think that's exactly what one of the weapons looks like, or like the weapon that you can get looks like. No, it looks better. It looks name brand. (laughs) They like put some lightning bolts and some purple on there. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? Not really. Um, I'm considering Manny, actually, uh, just because I like her character moments this episode, and she's in almost every scene, actually. Zach? I think I am going to give it to Manny. Are you saying Manny officially? You said I think, but... Okay. As well. I had to talk myself into it. Because of all things, she's got all the humanizing moments, like the big the, the character moment of, oh dear God, space. I want to go home. <laughs> oh no, space. <laughs> you know, this sucks and all that stuff. Like, that's very humanizing and that's really great. And I like Manny quite a bit. And I don't think she's really gotten a whole lot to do for most of the series. I think I'm going to give it to Flamia. I definitely think Manny is a good choice, too. But she like has her traitor reveal and then her double traitor reveal. And she stabs Bellray with a syringe. 
All right, I don't think any of the new mobile suits make sense to add. We they don't really do anything yet, except for be menacing. Not yet, because we haven't seen them do anything. We also don't know any other names other than the Grod. <laughs> <laughs> anything else we want to say on this one? Like you said, I'm I'm glad they managed to do an episode with like without a mobile suit battle. But on the one hand, I'm interested to see where they go with this. On the other hand, did we need more freaking factions? Yes. Holy crap. I can almost say there are no more factions to be introduced in G-Racket. <laughs> they have all been named at this point. This series could also be titled Oops, All Factions. Yeah, which I think is super purposeful. And I kind of like that about it. I think that is its biggest selling point. That and the, the cool world building, if only they spent more time on it. All right. I guess that'll do it for episode 19, then. Join us next week when we will be watching episode 20 of Reconquista in G, Space Inside a Frame. The episode titles are definitely not the selling point. <laughs> if you're saying we're making this all up, I wish I was that imaginative. <laughs>